0: As, as we all know, the reasons why we're here and the reasons why I set up the group is like, I have obviously went through my own mental health struggles for the last couple of years and and suffered in, in silence in many ways. So obviously I, I never spoke about it, never opened up to anyone about what was going on or how I never un- understood how to deal with it. So for me, how I used to deal with it, like most, most lads would have done was go out in the piss, act, act the bollocks basically, like, and, and you're going out for two or three days and, and stuff. And it wasn't really helping because I didn't really know what was going on. And <clears throat> inside, I, w- I was really suffering. And there was a lot of stuff going on in my life that as well that accounted for a lot of struggles that I had. And that led me down a path where I became depressed then. And again, as, as people in was, I was homeless for a couple of months as well. so. Again, sleeping obviously in El McCar, sleeping on a friend's couches. Um wasn't ideal, but it was something that I had to do. And it was something that I, I done for a couple of months and then I got an apartment then in the end of 2019, which probably was the worst thing that could have happened to me because by getting that I would kind of recluse more into myself and became more depressed. And and then come into the new year in 2020, then into February, January, February, I just kind of, I'd lost all kind of self-worth, all self, um, any sort of self-awareness of what was going on around me, like torn up late for work, missing, wasn't training, wasn't really going out. Yes, I'd, I'd met a parent and it, it, she was fantastic and, and great. And I'm very fortunate to have her and stuff like that. But um, really at the end of February then, was my darkest day and when I hit rock bottom. And on the 27th of February, then I attempted suicide. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was unsuccessful in that attempt because from that day on it, it gave me a wake, <clears throat> a wake up call to know what was going on and to finally get some understanding of why it, what had happened and why it had happened. And I, I always say I was very fortunate that I had very close friends and family around me to support me and, and guide me in down the right path. And that with the help of the professionals being in PA your house for the initial couple of weeks afterwards was fantastic. They were exactly what I needed initially because they gave me that understanding. They helped me feel I could, I could understand why why it had happened and just the feeling. So I didn't have to feel that again. And then it wasn't until during the summer then when I met a counselor and we really broke down into the nitty gritty sort of suffering when I really started to understand of the reasons why it had happened, why I had felt like that. So dealing with the trauma that I'd had when I was a kid and, and, and pushing, bringing that out and really to get a proper understanding of why it had happened. And <clears throat> so then after that, then I, I met another counselor, Yvonne, who I still go to, um, now not as much anymore, but I, I'm still with her when I get the chance. And again, she was fantastic. It was exactly what I needed at that moment in time. And I think that this is where people fail. And this is why I, um, I wanted to set up the group because in October of last year, I was having a conversations with people and what, what the conversations were all surrounding suicide. And we'd, I'd heard of about five or six suicide attempts in the space for a week, and with two or three of them being successful. And the consensus that came from that was there wasn't enough support for people or there wasn't that support there for people where they felt comfortable or felt um, felt open enough to, to speak about it. They were embarrassed by the, the issues that we were having. So it was I, I wanted to set up a place that people feel comfortable, feel that it can take that vulnerability away. It's a safe space for people and they know that wh- whenever they speak they're going to be listened to and they can trust the space that they're in and this is why also that i've got professionals on boards and this way jocks are there and um, who's a trained psychiatric nurse has been involved with us from more or less the very beginning um and susan well who's a trained counselor and psychotherapist as well who, who's come to join us recently Uh, but again without these people on on board these calls these calls wouldn't happen because we they're, they're able to avoid that professional care for people if they're actually triggered by anything um, straight away and and they're always there for conversations afterwards and any sort of aftercare that we can do for people we try and avoid and, and this is why the group is here is to avoid that aftercare to avoid that care for people and create that community that you know that they can open up and not feel embarrassed and not feel vulnerable and it's to take that stigma away from it and as we all know, I've always got guests on over the last couple of months. So the second November, we're now seven months seven months down the line. Like, and it over the last seven months, we've had some fantastic guests. Who I'm delighted that it's not everyone I know, and, and uh, I, I think I've used up all my contacts in my phone book at this stage to try and get people on. So, um, but I'm delighted that this evening we're joined by another guest and after i read her story and i watched her on on Orlando AM there a couple of weeks ago and it was actually one of the lads that sent me an image i'd actually followed her on instagram about three three weeks before when i'd seen the balls a interview up on twitter and i'd followed on instagram was like that's someone i'd love to get in the group because they her story and her experience and then one of the other lads had texted me and said this is someone that you should get in the group so from there um I knew that I I had to try and get her on in some way so um when I seen that we had a mutual friend in common I I reached out to that mutual friend and got him to text her and no better man as people may know Ken Robinson was the fellow I got to text her and no better person to to get in contact with someone like but straight away um she followed me back and I sent her and sent her mail and and within an hour we were on the phone chatting and she agreed to come on and um so that's Mary Hoograine. Mary, you're very welcome for coming on and uh, without ruining the story people, I'll let you you share your own story for people, but I'm, I'm actually delighted that you come on and I know from reading your story and listening to you, um, what you're going to speak about tonight will, will really uh, resonate with a lot of people and will really help people tonight and I just want to thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thanks, uh, thanks
1: Ted, for asking me. Um, I, I, like, I actually was, I wasn't even said to myself, I wasn't even going to plan on saying that because, like, if you had asked me, like, seven months ago to even, like, talk in front of people, like, lads, I couldn't even go to the shop when it was bright out because I used to be just so paranoid and so filled, like, with anxiety and everything. Like, I used to be just crippled with it, like, and, like, to be able to just, like, not have any like anxiety to just stand out and talk in front of people or to just share my story. For me, like I just it just makes me realize like how far you can come in such a short space of time. Like so, doesn't it? Like, um, but I don't know. Maybe like I just kind of always think like, look, don't plan it. Like just have a chat and just maybe whatever you say might help one person. Like it's worth it. Like if it just reaches out and helps one person. Like, um, but I suppose I'll uh, I suppose I'll start from the beginning. Um. Like there's been a lot, I suppose, in the in the papers and stuff on social media in the last while. But I, I guess, like in like a group like this, I could probably like share a little bit more because um and kind of tell you, I suppose, the real story. Like, but um, I grew up in Salins um in Killare, which is it's just a small village. Um, I grew up with an have a bro- older brother and a younger sister, and um, I grew up at home like and. I always just felt like when I was a kid, like I always just felt like I was different or something. I always just felt like I, I didn't fit in or I was just a black sheep. I just had this this head that I was just always different. like, And like home life wasn't great. Like I grew up in a, in a home, my mother was an alcoholic um, and I went through a lot of probably uh, and my sister and brother, like a stuff with her that like you probably shouldn't have seen. And my father was forced to leave young when I was a kid and um he was actually sent to prison for something he didn't do. Like, and then got released on a, On a suspended sentence and we were only like six or seven so like my whole childhood was just this big mess of of this and it was a lot of kind of like hush hush don't talk about things and you were just growing up to kind of talk like don't don't say anything um and that's the way it was and i just i had sport like i just sport was my outlet um it was the thing that just where I, when I played sport, like I was present and I was just able to just be me like, and all the worries that were going on at home or anything else that was going on. Like when I played sport, like all of that just disappeared. And, um, and I, I fell in love with like soccer and gal when I was young and I used to just grow up playing with the boys. And I used to love that. Like just, I was different because I was the only girl, like, and I used to just love it. Like, cause the boys had always challenged me a bit. And, um, I always just felt like I was that bit special playing against the lads, like being the only girl. And, um, so when I grew up like football was my main thing like growing up and then I went to I went to secondary school and um I fell in love with basketball and I that was my first year and I remember like starting to play basketball and it was like just became obsessed with it like um and I always say like sport was actually like always oh, my first addiction like it was just it was it like it kept me alive like and kept me out of trouble um and I just became obsessed with basketball. Like, and I just, I did everything, like, everything I could. I wanted to get a scholarship to the States. Um, I went through a lot then as a teenager, just abuse and stuff. And, like, that destroyed me. Um, and that was when I was about 12 or 13. And then I actually left sport because of that. And um, I just left sport. And um, I was maybe 15, 16. And that's when I kind of first touched um, first touched drugs. like, And, um it was, it was LSD and um, and e-tablets, and they were the first thing I, I touched um, at that age. And it was the, the first time that like, I think I was ever like, oh my God, all this noise and pain that was going on in my head, like it just disappeared. Um, because my head was just, it was mashed from everything that had just gone on in childhood, trauma, everything like that had been done to me and stuff. And I was just, I couldn't deal with it. Like the, the, the noise between my head, um, I just, I couldn't cope with it. And um, I got that release when I, when I first took drugs. like, And it was like this sense of feeling of like, of belonging or something or like that I, f- I fitted in. And I never had that before. And I'm like, drugs gave me that. And only for a coach actually grabbed me back and said, you're coming to play with my team here in Dublin and pulled me to a team in Dublin. um, I got back in playing sport and um, like long story short, I ended up getting a scholarship to the States um I I went when I was just 17 I come home like one day and I was in school and I just kept saying I'm getting a scholarship like that doesn't matter I I had this in my head that I was doing it and I remember the counsellors and everything in school were just like this one's for the birds like and they were like trying to say oh what do you want to be like the guidance counsellors were like what do you want to do and I was like no I'm getting a basketball scholarship don't worry about me and they were kind of like no one had really done it at the time and um I come home one day and um, I see my sisters after logging in there. So she'll get a good laugh. She can, she, she'll know a lot of this. Like, but uh, I had to, my black bags of my, all my stuff I had were, um, were at the door at a, at home. And um, my mother said to me, she's like, oh, if you don't get a job or you don't go to college, you're like, you're, you're leaving. Like, and I remember just being like, yeah, that's grand. And got my stuff, headed to my friend's house in, in the, the next town and, I, um, I slept on her couch for a month and I moved up to Belfast then. Um, and I stayed up there with a coach for about eight or nine months just to play basketball. And that's all I was doing um, until I waited to get a scholarship because I just had it in my head that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I headed over to the States and I was like, oh my God, like uh, everything I just wanted to escape from and everything I wanted to always just run from. um I was just free. And it was like a new life, a new opportunity. Um, I could start fresh. No one knew me, like, what went on. Um, and my childhood, my past, anything. And um, I could just be me, like. And I was over there, and um, I, I got injured. In, it was my second year I got injured. Um, now, up until this point, like, I hadn't really drank. I had just committed to sport completely. I said, look, I'd seen what, like, addiction had done to, to um, a family and, like, the devastation that it caused. And I said, no way. Like, I'm never never getting into that and um, so the next thing I touched after probably um, taking ease and LSD was I, di- I didn't touch that until I had OxyContin after surgery I had a really bad injury my, my second year and I had to have a reconstruction done on my leg and um, it was after my first surgery that I got um, I was prescribed OxyContin and OxyContin and I just got that feeling again the same time as when I took the e-tablets like I was like oh this feeling of like this doesn't just take away a pain in your body, like this takes away a pain in your head. And like, I knew I was taking it for the wrong reasons. Like, and it just, that's where I always remember people say, oh, where did your addiction take off? Or when do you remember it? And then I'm like, that's when I remember it, it consumed me. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And um like sport was my addiction. And it's it, it, like, it quickly turned to, to that. And I was out for 18 months and I was on there for 18 months. Like, and, I remember when I was in the States and I like sport had never been taken from me. And I remember being out injured and I remember being in my dorm room and I remember just been like thinking I actually had a mental illness or something that was going on in my head because I was so down and depressed. And I know now that that was the first kind of time I realised that I had some sort of depression or there was something going on upstairs that I I didn't know what it was. And um, it was because my sport was taken from me Like, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to how to silence what was going on between my ears. Like, Um, and yeah, that's where, that's where my addiction took off. And I came back into playing and look, I was the Irish kid in the States. And when I was drinking and whatever over there, it was like, oh here, she's the Irish kid. She can drink loads or she can do that. And I got away at murder. Like Um, when I used that, like to the the best of my ability, I really did. And I latched onto that, like, and um, I came back playing and I was only back maybe about two months and i just come off the OxyContin, and I'll never forget even trying to come off them, like, and I dislocated the shoulder, and I was straight in for a surgery, and I remember just thinking, like, oh, brilliant, like, I'm going to get more OxyContin here, and I wasn't thinking, like, you know what, like, I'm going to be out again. I'm over in the States. Like I was over there, like only had my friends there. There was no family known. I was completely over my own and all I could think about was fucking lonely though. I'll get more free, free of these, like, cause you have insurance over there and everything's covered. Like, and that's all I was thinking. And I was out then for another six, seven months and it was just the same story. And then, then that's kind of probably where my drinking took off a bit more and I started smoking a bit more weed. That was probably big over there. And then I remember, um, that's when I first started taking Coke and, um, that's I never I'll never forget it like in New York because like drinking only worked for probably a certain amount of time for me like to silence what was going on in my head like and like I always just remember like being out with parties and like no matter what like even when like a room full of people like I was just the loneliest person in that room like and I couldn't understand why and like I'd be after taking like I was after being drunk 10 times over and taking loads of coke and all this and next of all I was just look around and go, oh my God, I just felt this loneliness inside me, like, like this emptiness, like, and I, I just can't describe it. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like it is emptiness in you. And I knew that that wasn't right, but I didn't know what it was. Um, But I knew the only way to drown it out was more drink, more drugs. And then I came back, um, I came back then after, I came back one summer, I think about four years, I was in the States and, um. I have a little sister who I love to bits and she's listening in and I, she was struggling at home with the mother and I know she was and I said, I can't go back. I couldn't leave her. like. And I stayed at home and I kind of probably used that as a bit of a, well, look, fuck this. I'm after giving up a scholarship here. Now I'm going to go to town and I can do what I want. And I just always had fuck off written across my forehead. Like I used to love the fact that people would fear me so they wouldn't come near me and they wouldn't talk to me or they wouldn't want to... Like be around me like I just like even playing sports and all like I used to be so angry and aggressive and I'd be getting red cards like left right and center like and I was just filled with so much anger um but I'd never ever spoken about it ever and um look I grew up in a small village and we just I was moving from house to house and we were you were just having a crack we were drinking Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday like the usual like what what you what you do in Ireland um but like when people could probably stop on a Sunday, I couldn't. And I, I just I knew I couldn't. And I always had to go to the to the the, the next session or go to the early house or I had to keep going and um I started hiding it then and didn't want people to see how much I was I was drinking or how I was taking and then people started to say to me, Jez, did you go easy on that bit there tonight or and I'd start I'd I'd come at them and then say what do you think I have a problem? Like I, I'd be aggressive towards it like and the people wouldn't say that again because <laughs> like I'm covered in fucking tattoos. Like my tattoos were a defense mechanism as well to get people to stay away from me. Like I'm covered in them. like, but I know now that's why I did it. But, but I loved, I do love them as well. Like, but it just it took off probably through my twenties. Like, and it was always just, I was always looking for escapism in something. It didn't matter if it was drink drugs, didn't matter if it was cigarettes, food, Steroids I went to a point where I just took steroids for two years just because that was it, that would get me a kick down for a while. And that destroyed me. Like it took me years to recover from that. Um it was just always escapism and something else. And I always thought that like even in relationships and all, like I'd be with someone and I'd be saying, right, when this lad fucking finds out a bit too much about me now, he'll be gone. Like I was only in one and I was looking for a way out. I was just always running, always running. And I always thought like it was running towards something and I was going to find something in my life that was going to fix all this and make me happy like and it was only someone said to me a few months ago and it just like that it was one of those light bulb moments that I was like oh my god they were like um you you're not running towards that and they're like you're running from yourself and that's what I always did I was just always running for myself because I couldn't sit for myself I couldn't sit with my demons I couldn't I just had so many skeletons in my closet that I hadn't dealt with and I hadn't talked about or shared. And I didn't, I didn't know how to ask for help. I, I grew up in a house where you grow up quick and we did grow up quick. We had to fend for ourselves very quick, Like, um, and you just got on with it. Like, and I think that's where, I love that word resilience. When you talk about that, like with Jim Gavin and stuff, like I love that word because like, I know I had that in me from such a young kid and it's like, no matter what happens in life, just keep going. And we used to watch the Rocky movies when we were kids. We used to love the Rocky movies, like, and uh, we used to watch the the Rocky Balboa, like, we used to have the box set, like, and I always just think of that moment, like, you know, I think it's in uh, Rocky 2 where, like, he's fighting Apollo and, like, Rocky just keeps getting back up and back up. And then Apollo knocks him out and, like, the whole crowd is, like, cheering and they're like, oh, like, he's won. And, like, Rocky gets back up. And everyone's like, stay down, stay down. And he just turns around and, like, the look in Apollo's face is just, like, what, like, the fuck, he's, like, he's just a broken man from it, and he's just, he's defeated there, and I always just think of that, I always say, no matter what happens, like, there's always someone worse off, get the fuck back up, just keep going, you know, Um, so, like, the end of my 20s, like, say, I had, I'd isolated completely, you said it there, Ted, like, I was, I was living in my car, I, I was staying on my brother's couch for probably about three or four months, like, and I I have a, I have this beautiful dog. He's a golden retriever and Bailey's his name. And you might have seen him on my social media, but that dog saved my life, lads. I swear to God, like, and like, I remember just getting him as a puppy, like, and uh, my sister was there with me when we got him. And I remember just looking at him and like picking him up. And I was just like, oh my, like I never connected to anything in my life. Like I never, I could never feel like, you know, when people would be showing you like babies or you'd be at funerals and people would be crying. Like I could just, I just always felt like there was something wrong with me that I couldn't connect and I couldn't feel. And I remember seeing this dog and I was like, oh my fucking God, this thing is so, so cute. Like, and I just, I loved him. Like, and it was the first thing I ever felt like that for ever. Now, I know it was a dog, but like, it was still, it was so cool. Like, and I had, I had that dog. Like, he's been through everything with me. Like, and I was staying in my brother's couch. Like, and I just kind of felt I overstayed my welcome. So I kind of said to him, like, I got uh, somewhere to stay. But I was staying in my, in my car for, I know I actually stayed in my gym. I had a little gym running and it was a shed, like, and I stayed in my gym. And I'll never forget the cold. And I, I was like, I'm never doing that again. So I was kind of earning a bit of money, like tipping away, doing a bit of personal training and stuff. And I used to go in every night then and fill the, the tank up in the car, in the Maxwell garage. And I'd leave the car running then at night. Like, when I mean, you think about it now, it's just, it's mad. And I'd leave the heater on then. So I stayed in the car then for three weeks, like, because I wanted to be warm. And I did that. And the dog slept in the back seat. she slept in the back seat. Like, and I slept in the front. And I, I thought... I thought I was happy out because I had cans and I had a couple of bags of Coke. There wasn't a bother on me, like... And to me, like, God, oh, that was it, like, that was all right. And I went back playing football that year. Um, I kind of left football for a year or two because the old social life got a bit in the way. And I said, no, maybe if I go back playing football, like, it'll actually... It'll kind of get me back into the swing of things, like... And, like, when I think about it now, like, my, my anxiety I had from addiction, like, and... and paranoia I had from all of that like it was just it was crippling like I just I used to even go to the shop only till it was dark and I'd only leave like I go let's say the shop closed at like 10 o'clock I'd like go to it like 10 to 10 so I wouldn't meet anyone I just had this massive fear I lived my whole life in fear like just of other people what are people to think yeah like but it was all made up in my own head like it was all it was all my own but I was back in playing with the team that year and the manager came up to me and he was like um what's the story like why is there duvets and all in your car and I was like what are you on about and I just kind of brushed it off like and I said just, just just quiet like don't be annoying me and because that was just me answer to everyone was going up behind me like do oh, fuck off like and I, I, people just left me alone too like they didn't, they didn't like people were terrified of me like grown men up in the bar boys would ter- be terrified of me like because it's just I, I was just so aggressive and all like and he asked me again then about a few weeks later and he was like, What story? I said, Look, I'm sleeping in the car to me. And I have nowhere to stay because I can't get a house with the dog. And he said, Well, look, meet me here at this hour. And I met him that night at this old house, like, and it was derelict and there was no, like, the windows were bits and the place was just a wreck. Like, and he was like, What do you think of this? Like, I was like, Oh, it's perfect. I was like, I love it. He's like, All right, we'll do it off for you and we'll get it going for you in a few weeks. Like, and I said to him, I was like, Can I move in there tonight? Like, and he was, I'll never forget his kindness. Like, it was the first time anyone had been so kind to me. I think it's so long because I completely isolated at that stage, like, and I was just, like, drinking and drugging just to get me through the day because the minute I'd wake up, all these noises in my head would start screaming at me, and I'd be like, I couldn't deal with it, and I just needed something straight away. And I stayed in that house. He went off, and he came back a few hours later, and he had a mattress for me, and he had a bale of brickets and he had a fire log, and there was a fire in the sitting room, and I slept in there on that mattress for months, like, not a bother on me, and he came in and we did the house up as we went along and he was just the kindness of him I'll never be able to forget it like and I actually live in that house today and it's we did it right up through the years like and it's just I'm living here today but today like it's a it's a home it's not just a house like it's such it's a great feeling coming back to it and I love it like and I live here with my three dogs and um so that was 2016 like and like I was just always going to train and like, either I was dying, like I was just always waking up the next day, just going oh, like, don't, don't let them catch you out here. Don't let them catch out. Like I was used to try so hard that like, I wouldn't get found out. Like, cause I just felt like such a fraud. Like um just wasn't been able to be honest with anyone. I was just always hiding. I'd show up literally two minutes before the session, get into the session and get out there straight away. So there was no questions or anything like, um, and like I even, I remember breaking a foot that year. I actually broke my foot that year. I was coming into the gym and I like I was going to the gym like to do a class like I had to have like I had to take some cans I had to have a couple of lines I used to be sitting in the car taking lines of coke before I to do a class because I actually thought about myself like people actually wouldn't like me for who I really am like and I just couldn't go in and just be myself like I used to have this anxiety like all just this mad thinking in my head like and I am um, so like, that year, like, I was, Jesus, it was just, I was in the height of addiction in 2016, like, I really was, like, and we, I broke a foot, like, going to the gym then as well, yeah, I dropped the weight on my foot, I was over, like, and dropped the weight on my foot, I broke my toes, and I remember being up to Kara, and I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't think I can do the running today, and the manager was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I hurt my toe there a few days ago, and he's like, show me, he's like, Jesus Christ, he's like, that's broke, like, the thing was sticking out of my foot, and I had been taking so much stuff, I didn't even realise, like, But I, like, I played a couple of matches that year. I actually think I played the All-Ireland and everything with that. I think I played about six matches. And I remember, like, the, remember the reporters and all coming over to me and they were like, Jesus, you're after playing that with a broken foot. And I was like, ah, yeah, sure, it's grand. Like, but sure, the amount of stuff I was taking, Lance, no one knows that. Like, it's just, I just felt like such a fraud. Like, it's shocking when I think back (laughs) of it. And, like, we won an All-Ireland that year. I won an All-Star. I won everything that year, like, and I was just, like, miserable on the inside, like, I was miserable, like, I was, I, the following year, I hit a rock bottom in 2017 then, and I just, like, right through 2016, every single day I was waking up, I just didn't want to be here, like, didn't want to be here, like, and it had just been tossed, I was like, oh, today will be the day, and all I just kept saying was, no, who's going to mind Bailey, no one's going to mind the dog, and, like, because I lost everything at that stage, like, I just had my brother who I was kind of keeping, at, at a distance, he didn't know what was going on, and I I ended up losing the license. Then I was open, I was drink driving the whole time, like it was shocking. Like and I remember being in front of the judge and remember the case getting adjourned even that day, and I remember going off for fuck's sake, like because it was adjourned for months and months, and then that day they were like, no, it's, it's only adjourned till the afternoon. So I went in next door, I went in there was a pub called Cavanas, I went in next door, and had eight points, and I came back in to the courtroom, and I was I was fluted like and. I, the, I didn't even remember what the judge said to me until a couple of days later that she was like, "You're losing your license for three years, and I'm fining you." She said, "If I, you need to get into recovery, and you need to get help." Like, and it took me another eight months of being out, out in addiction, like, to realize that I needed a bit of help. And the end of 2017, I was just—that was my rock bottom. And every single day, I was waking up; these feelings were getting stronger and stronger. And I woke up one day, I said, "Fuck this! I don't give a bollocks. I'm doing it today, and I'm 100 percent." And I knew well what I was doing knew what I was doing, I was overdosing and I was driving the car straight into a wall in the middle of nowhere that no one would find me. And I was leaving a letter for the postman. So my brother or no one was going to find what was going on. It was someone else that was going to have to find it. Like and I remember going that day I so said, I'm going to walk the dog once more. I'm going to bring him for a walk in the car. And I walked him out in the car and I met a man. Doesn't like it's no mad story to tell it. It's no mad like oh my God story. I just met a man and an old man and he just said to me, Oh my God, that dog is just beautiful. Like he's just gorgeous. And just that little small interaction with that man that day, like, for me, like, it just made me think, oh, my God, like, maybe maybe I won't do it today. Like, he is a beautiful dog. And it was just, like, a tiny little bit of positivity that he was just nice to me. And, like, I was just so hard on myself. I hated myself, like, I hated every bit of myself, like. And, like, I don't know what I decided that night, like, I just said, no, I won't do it today. And, like, the next day I woke up and, like, I don't know what, why, like, or what, where I came from, because I never thought, oh my God, there's a way out of this. I just thought, like, I was ending my life and that was it. I didn't think, like, oh my God, there's actually a solution here. I didn't, I never thought that once. And then I just woke up the next day and I said, Jesus, maybe I have a problem with drinking, like, maybe if I actually stop drinking that, I might be able to think straight. Because I didn't know what was wrong with me, like, and... I picked up the phone and I'll never forget it because like, I even get the feeling like when I talk about it, that like anxiety, oh my God, the nervous feeling. Do you know when you're about to do something that's so out of your comfort zone and you're just like, oh my God, God. And like, just to make that one phone call to ask for help because like, I never asked for help in my whole life. Like, it was like this pride thing. I just always, it was always my way or that was it. I didn't have to ask for help ever. And for me to actually put my hand up and say like, do you know what, like I actually need a bit of help here. Like, that was just, that was destroying to me. And I'll never forget it. And I picked up the phone and I rang a man and I knew he had stopped drinking. I knew he had a problem. And I just said to him, I need you to tell me how to stop drinking. And he sat on the phone and talked to me for about two hours. like. And he collected me that night then and brought me to my first meeting in recovery. like. And I remember sitting there going, fuck me, Like these are all nut jobs. I was like, no, I hope I'm not staying here. Like He collected me the next night and brought me to the same place and kept going and kept going and uh, until I found my way and that's then where like my recovery started but like it started at the start of that, like basically I wasn't able to, I had to stop drinking stop taking drugs uh, I went to the doctor the doctor sent me to a psychiatric ward in the hospital and then they put me on tablets and then I was trying to come down off everything like and sure like all the noise in my head was still there So sure, I relapsed straight away like and look I relapsed for three years because I kept fighting it because I couldn't deal with what was going on in my head I couldn't talk I hadn't talked to anyone, like, hadn't shared everything that was going on with me or hadn't spoken to anyone, and last year, like, I just, I'd relapsed really bad again, like, I was constantly relapsed, my, probably tablets took off more in my recovery then because I just, I could hide them more, like, and um last year, like, I just, I was like, Jesus, you ha- like, you're going to have to change everything here, like, you're getting nowhere, like, you're going to, I was in a worse place than I was in 2017, didn't want to live again, crippled with anxiety, like the anxiety and the feeling just been out of your body. Like I just I couldn't deal with it at all. And um I asked for help again and I did it right this time. I, I I was in recovery. I wasn't giving my best at all. And last year I decided to change everything about myself. Absolutely everything. And I decided just to completely surrender to it like and just say, look, I need to I need to change everything and I started to talk, and I got a counselor. And it was the first time. I know I'd been to a couple of counselors as well. Like, and I'd say, no, should they Won't be able to relate. I can't tell them what I, what's going on in my head. Like, they lock me up. But I ended up finding a guy after about four or five counselors, and I really liked them, and I connected with him a little bit, and I started to slowly open up, like, and. He always describes it to me as, like, you know, when you shake a can of Coke, like, I know people use this one, like, you shake a can of Coke, like, you don't open it quick, it's just going to explode, so, he's like, we just have to take it really slow with you, like, and I was going to him twice a week for four months, like, and I was just getting things out slowly and slowly, and the relief, oh my good God, like, I got from that, like, and then I was in meetings and support groups and addiction services, and I was talking, and she then once I started talking, you couldn't show me up, like, and the more I got rid of all these skeletons in my closet, like, the more I just got this little sense of freedom, like, and, like, I cleaned out all the skeletons in my closet. And now today, like, if I have any to come in or I have any problems or if I have anything to sits with me, I just try and get rid of it straight away and talk about it. Because when something festers in me or sits inside me, like, it, don't, it only affects me, like, and it becomes a problem then. So I just try and share it straight away, like, um. I like, I started to develop a relationship with myself, which is something I never did. Like I know self worth or self esteem. I like my self esteem was like the same as a piece of like dirt on the floor. Like I hate myself, like, and I had to learn all that, like, um, and I've learned that in the last couple of months, just just in re- recovery, like, and for me, like, I've learned like this is it's all about your thinking. Like someone said to me a few months ago, said you have a mind that lies to you, and always remember that, like when you can't make a decision go with your gut but your mind is always going to tell you it's always going to lie to you like um until it starts to clear a little bit and like for me this is i have like i have a problem with my thinking like and for me it's just about learning more about myself and how to deal with that and just having a bit more self-awareness for myself Um, that i um, that i learn about myself like and i go to my counselor every week and i will still always go like i think everyone should have a counselor i fucking i love that man like he's unreal I just, he's the one person in this world that I can trust, like, and I, I don't trust, I've never trusted anyone in my life, like, ever, I trust the dog, like, that's it, like, but I trust that man with everything, he knows everything about me, and, um, I have good friends today that I can pick up a phone as well and say, look, I'm a bit off today, and I can talk to them, um, I could never do that before, ever, um, but I love being able to say, oh, I'm struggling today, which is something I could never do. I'd just be like, oh, I'm fucking, I'm super strong and I'm this big hardy one and there's nothing wrong with me. But now if I have a shite day, I'll be to pick the phone up and say, no, I'm fucked today. Here, tell me, sort me out here. like, Because I don't, I, I kind of say it as like, I know now I'm connected. Like, you know when you're connected and everything feels good and you're at a bit of peace, I have a bit of peace of mind in my life. And the minute now I get disconnected, I know, like, I know, like, no, here, there's something wrong with you. And then I try and figure it out. Um, I try and talk about it but I'm starting to learn just a little bit of like self-compassion for myself as well lately which is something I never did and um, never minded myself didn't do any self-care none of that crack like I found that so hard um, but I'm starting to do that now the last little while like and just being able to even say say no or like I used to try and please everyone just because I, I told you, like oh they're gonna find me out here but now just been able to say no and um been able to kind of set boundaries a little bit. Like I found that's helped me loads like, um, and I used to be such a reactor. Like I like if someone came at me, I'd come back at you and i just knock the head off you. Like I wouldn't think about it. Like just react straight away. Like I wouldn't think about it. And, and I used to be just so filled with anger. Like, and like now I have this awareness like that I'm able to just like, if something happens, I'm able to just take 10 seconds and just be like, observe the situation, like see what's going on. And then just respond to it. Like, you know, I don't react anymore. And for me to be able to do that's a miracle, like, because even there, there was something yesterday, like, and someone came at me, and all I wanted to do was just grab them by the throat and just, like, throw them out of my house, and I was just sat there, and I said, yeah, that's grand. And, like, for me to be able to do that, like, it's just, that's serious growth for me, like, because I just used to be so filled with anger, and I don't have it anymore. And, like, look, I know every day I wake up, and, like, I have demons, they're, some days they're way louder than others, like, but... I know that I have everything I need now to, like, to deal with that, like, and it's it's my choice whether I let them chase me or, or they chase, or I chase them, you know, um, to me, like, I try and improve myself every day, there's no, like, there's no medium ground, like, I try and either move forward, and, like, for me, there's no, there's no medium ground, you're either moving forwards or you're moving backwards, Um, so every day I try and say, right, what am I going to do today to improve myself, how am I going to help somebody else, and, um, just try and do the next right thing like and just live an honest life I had to get honest like I couldn't couldn't be honest lads at all and like I still suffer with anxiety terrible bad like I like and I know that's it's just something I'm I'm trying to learn a bit more about um but I used to just run from it and get worked up about it now I'm kind of learning to sit with it a bit and just be like oh how are you how are you getting on today it's here and then it's just, it's slowly disappearing a little bit like but being able to do that like because I used to be crippled with that like crippled with oh my god and, I, and I'm not so much anymore but it's still it's still early like I'm still very early like I'm still only six months clean and sober like but my mental health is just like it's I don't have that emptiness inside me anymore like that void that I just need to fill in like it's it's crazy and I'm just I'm starting to like myself a little bit which is which is unreal like and just little things like you know to be able to sit and watch a tv program for me is just a miracle like because I couldn't sit still for two minutes like I couldn't, I'd be there watching the telly, I'd be on the phone, I'd be reading a book, I'd be changing the channels every two seconds, like, just used to be like a lunatic, and now I'm able to sit down and read a book, like, just be present, you know, um, I find great, um for like, my mental health, I love doing a bit of meditation, I find that brilliant, like, and it's something I used to look at people and go, fucking meditation, I'm not doing that, lads, not a whole fucking yoga, like, but Jesus... The first time I meditated, I rang someone. I was like, I'm after meditating. I said, Jesus Christ, this is the best drug I've ever had in my life. I couldn't get over it. I was like, just in this little space inside me. And I was like, I was just, I felt safe. And I just didn't have a thought in my head. I was just able to just be. And like, I started off by just putting YouTube on. Five minute guided meditation. And sat there, put my earphones in. And I started off with that. And then someone said to me, don't, I used to say, no, my head goes 90. Like, They're like don't be worrying. If you, if you wander off, just come back in. And it'll be grand. Um but I don't I know I have to keep filling all this this good stuff in. Um I don't have any time for negativity anymore in my life. Um, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. Um and like it's so important to me just to fill it with positive people, people who are good in my circle. And like someone said to me there a while ago, I had, they said a great call, I loved it. They were like, Do you know what? My circle's so small, it's a triangle. And I was just I thought it was brilliant, but like it's just the people who I have around me are just so important. Um and to have the bit of peace of mind I have in between the years today like it's just it's something I never want to give up like and I don't like I'm not great I was telling you just about I have a heart condition just as a result of addiction like and I just if that's a price I have to pay for all the abuse I did to my body like so be it you know but some days I do find that hard takes up like and I, I do want to do things and I want to be out in the football field and I want to do this and I can't and I do, I do feel a bit sorry for myself right and I do say then like the, the things that go on in your head, I'd be saying, you f- fucking ungrateful fucker, like some people are born there and they don't have legs or they don't have arms. And I'd try and think of someone else then because it's easy to fall into that self-pity, you know? And then I find when your body's not great, the old head does take off a bit. So you have to mind yourself a little bit more, you know? But best thing I ever did in my life was ask for help and ring a man. Best thing I'll ever do was just keep talking. Like, you know, it's, it's unreal. I love my life today and it's something I could never say. Um... Yeah, I don't know how long I'm after. Should I talk? <laughs> Sorry. I just no, get no. like, Jesus
0: Christ, she's going to show me up. I'll leave no, at that. That's absolutely, Mary, that's absolutely incredible. Honestly, fair play to you. Um, And I, I'm speaking just for myself here. Like, I can relate to that so much. Like, um, Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I can relate to your story so much. Like, a lot of what you're saying resonates with me so much because I feel like I went through a similar story with you. Um, but when I look back at everything that you were saying there, it was similar to everything that I do. Like, but it's going out partying, all that, all that acting the bollocks. Like, when Mm -hmm. and you're you're in a room and you you could be out for two or three days, and you're just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I'm on my own Like, you don't want you don't want to be there, but at the same time, you don't want to go back to the realization, the reality. Like, you you don't want to come back to reality. I think. It, it is incredible to show the mental strength that you were actually asked for help because I I didn't I didn't get the help until it was too late unfortunately, and I had the warning signs beforehand like there was warning signs there for me where I thought about just putting the car straight into a wall and I, I again like like you're saying sleeping in the car and I I, I sobbed after it happened because I didn't do it but the next morning I just woke up and went straight to work yeah, yeah and but I, and that that should have been a warning sign whereas you you were able to ask for help. And yeah, as, as people said, we've had people on here, you're gonna have your slips. Um, but it's how how far you slip is the question, and how far can you catch yourself? Like I remember we had Cotton McCarran on there a couple of weeks ago, and he was one who said, like, people are gonna have your slips, but it's how far into that slip are you gonna are you willing to let yourself go? Or can you catch yourself and, and recover from that? Like it's always like you can always take two steps forward, one step back but you're never yeah. going to go back to the start of where you are. You can always move forward again. Like, So it, it's like building blocks. And I always say it, like, and it, it the best piece of advice that I was given, the strongest base that anyone can start at is rock bottom, because the only place you can go from there is up.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, and like there, a couple of quick, like someone there, great saying, your mind can, your mind can lie to you, but your gut will tell you the truth. Yeah. So, it is, it is a fantastic saying. Like, and It is, it is, it can be so true. Like. And, I just find it incredible and and look obviously, the health issues coming from like obviously stems from years of abuse and stuff like. But look, we hope you get you get the all clear and it doesn't have it doesn't stop you from doing what you're doing. Like do you know what I mean? And I do wish you all the best. And honestly, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on. And I know listening to you, it kind of triggers me a little bit as well like but look it, it it it's great and as you're saying i that circle of friends that you have mm-hmm. i had to let people go from my life because they were no good for me because and and even to this day they're still doing the same things that we were doing three years ago four years ago yeah, and really. i have just no interest in doing it and i i i have a new have a, a group of friends now where i'm happy and like you you're making making the phone calls saying i'm actually not feeling great today and and that's that's what's really important it's opening up and now again like everyone says it, it's a day-by-day process you're learning every day and some days you still keep things to yourself but the majority of the time you are opening up and you're trying to trust the people around you and i think it comes back to that trust but no honestly it's really incredible and I, honestly I, I just i can't say anymore. and i, I just want to see if, if anyone has any questions for you um again they can to jump in there and ask ask away um I know one of the ones like was the how long have you been sober? But you obviously you actually answered that uh, during this. So you you what you sober now over six months is it? Yeah, so
1: I think October sixteenth. That's my. I'm gonna get the year. <laughs> That's my goal. My sister has my my chips. I give my sister my chips.
0: Happy uh, does she? She's still there, is she?
1: Yeah, she's still there. Yeah. I'm here. How
2: are you Claire? <laughs> hey.
0: You
2: right. right? I'm listening in. yeah I have some very proud of her Um, I wasn't even expecting to say anything on this I didn't think you're going to ask questions but yeah so proud of our mall and laughing at the story amongst the madness the black bag story you know every day <laughs> you come home and the bags are packed to you, and you're like right fuck this we're out come on yeah where are we heading to next <laughs> where are we going but you know the abnormal became the normal but small was our trooper amongst it all, you know. She kept me, she kept me sane amongst the madness. Anyway, so yeah, lucky that she's here today to share the story.
0: Yeah, chizzy. Fair play, and and thanks Claire for, for sharing us. we might get you on back on again. You can give us the real story that uh, Mary doesn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, question there for you. When did you say enough was enough?
1: Uh, last year definitely after my last relapse, I. I was in relationships after relationships and I was always doing things for other people. And I was trying to please people. And last year, I just, I was still in a relationship and I just said, what are you doing? Like, you're just, I was drinking and drugging for other people. Like, I just didn't want to be there anymore. And I just said, are you ever like, I don't even know, like, it was like an intervention with myself. And I just said, like, are you ever going to do something for yourself in your life? Like, you know, and I just decided then I was like, No, I actually have to change everything about myself. I was just, I wasn't able to be honest. And when I started being honest, my whole life changed. Like, it really did. I was just lying and manipulating. And the only way you just have different groups of people and different masks for every different group. And I was just, I was worn out from fucking trying to be so many different characters. And when I just started being myself, like... It just, it just changed. But last year, I just, I knew I was in a worse off place than I was in 2017 and I was just, I was suicidal again. Like.
0: No, and sorry, another question there. So were your partners using, is another question. So obviously when you were going out and stuff, were, were your partners with were they encouraging the situation or were they saying, asking you to stop or, or what? what was the situation?
1: No, they were like, gosh, there's nothing wrong with you. And then it gets to the stage where they're like, I think you have a problem. I think you need to stop. And I was like, (laughs) then you'd be going out with them the night be like, I know you would be grand, come on. And sure, like I was in the heights, but I didn't see, I didn't see that at all. And there was just, there was so much lies. There was no honesty. It was just, just a toxic situation. I was, I was always in because I was always getting lies and dishonesty back because I was giving it. Do you know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. It is that like that relief that you when you finally open up to something, or when you open up when obviously after everything happens. I know for me looking back when everything happened and I actually opened up about everything that was going on, the relief, the sheer relief that comes from that. And now when you move forward and yet that honesty, when you're trying to be honest with people, you actually don't mind saying anything anymore because you know, and no matter what comes out, um, or anyone that anything that anyone can say. The truth is there, you've already said it, and you're opened up beforehand. Like, and I just feel like when you have that comfortability, when you have that self awareness around yourself and that confidence in yourself, it takes away that vulnerability for you,
2: yeah.
0: And I think when when you are hiding things, and and I know from my own experience, when you hide things, you hide things again to hide that, and it's it's a a ripple effect, yeah. It's a ripple effect, like you know, it, it is, it's really difficult, but now. Obviously, when, you, when you're able to speak about what's going on, it makes things a lot easier. It makes t- the communication a lot easier with both friends and family like because you don't have to hide stuff from them anymore. Like.
1: Yeah, big time. And I think, like, you will make, like, mountains out of mounds, like yourself in your own head. And you just think, oh, my God, like, I remember just going, I, I can never tell anyone this. I could just never tell it. I remember sharing something with someone who said, yeah, that's grand. How are you going to live in your past?" for? And I was like, is that it? And they were just like, yeah, come on, we move on now. You've lived your whole life in your past. It's time to start looking forward and start living in the present, like, you know? And when it was just so simply put to me, it was just like, oh yeah. Whereas I just had this big thing in my head, like I couldn't see any way out. And it was just these massive problems. And then when you shared them with someone, they were just like, the problems were just sliced in in half. Like it was just,
0: yeah. it and is and it's one thing that a uh, number of people have, have said on here, a problem shared is a problem have, like. Yeah it is and it really is it it takes that weight away because when you have someone that's with you and you're talking about it and you can deal with it together because when you build problems up in your own head and you're not dealing with them they can build as you said they can they turn into mountains and then all these mountains start coming in on each other like Mm -hmm. and then it just becomes one big huge big problem like where you just feel like i can't deal with this anymore like what what am i supposed to do here and then it just explodes, and it comes out in like like you said, in anger. And I would have been the exact same playing matches, getting sent off, reacting to stupid things that I shouldn't react to, or nights out reacting to stuff that I shouldn't be reacting to. Whereas now you you can look at it and say, you can take that five second break, you can take a step back and say, Joe, you know you're not worth it. Like, and, and just let them walk up, walk away, like. <clears throat>
1: I think that shows real strength doesn't it though to be just able like to know someone's in the wrong uh, but just to be able to say yeah okay and just to be able to walk away from controversy or a situation just because you want to protect yourself or to kind of yeah. protect your own peace so of it's mind difficult.
0: Or... it is difficult I still find it difficult to walk away from conversation, and I feel like if I still sometimes I find if someone if you're being in an argument with someone I feel like I have to get my point back across and I think it's still it's still a learning process I'm still learning how to deal with it now I can honestly say that I've improved an awful lot compared to where I was last year in, in the sense of of reacting or how we reacted. Whereas now, like Grand, yes, I might react to a certain extent, but I don't think it's it, it, it's as bad as where it was. But again, it, it's about learning how to deal with it.
1: Yeah, it's just about protecting yourself. I think like as well, the one of, the, one of the best things I've learned is like to forgive things or other people for me. And, like, not to forget what's happened or forget what they've done, but actually to forgive people because all it, all it's doing is hurting me. Like, it's just nothing to them. But, like, to be able to, like, learn to forgive someone for yourself has been something that's been huge for me as well, I think.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. You can always you can always forgive, but you never forget. And, and the mm. thing is, you can you can look at someone, and it's like people that have done stuff on you in the past. You can look at it and say, right, that's fine. You've done that on me. I won't forget it. I'll, I'll be civil with you. But... I will never give you my respect. Like, or I'll never give you that time. I'll, I'll be so, and if I see you, I'll say hello. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to waste my time on you and negative people now. Like.
1: It's just about having them boundaries. Like, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. It is completely. It's about stopping the people from getting back into your life. Then, then negative people. And like, would you find the people that you would have went out with over the last couple of years that would have encouraged that? Are they still hanging around? Or are they still trying to get in contact with you and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, like, so what, like, I was, say, three years relapsing, but I still had the same number, still had the same friends, I was still in the same environment, and last year, like, and I had it all worked up in my head, I was like, oh, how am I going to go out with these people, and, like, how am I going to say, oh, I'm not drinking, or I'm not doing anything, or how am I going to not say, like, you could be getting Snapchats of people drinking, or, like, you get Snapchats of people with bags of coke, and you're like, oh, I can't see this, and someone just so simply said to me, "Uh, change your number. And I was like, oh my God, like it was such a simple solution to something I'd worked up so much in my head. So I changed my number. I changed my circle of friends. Anyone that wasn't good for me, I just said no. And I, that, I had to do that for me. Like. Um, and I think you'll really learn who your real friends are when you're, when you're in the depths of it, when you're struggling. And like, you'll really see who the people you are to keep in your circle are, because um, they'll still be with you through, take care through thing, like, um But I had to change everything. Like the, the group of friends I have today are, they're very small and, and they're like, I mean, they're only only good people that I know fill me with like positivity and mostly recovery and stuff that I know. So I don't put myself in a situation where I'm going to be, oh Jesus, I'm, I'm, I feel uncomfortable here. I just, I'm mm. able to see it now and I just don't do it like.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's brilliant. It is, it, it's a fantastic story and hats off to you for coming so far and doing and coming through what you did. And we got a message there at the start. One of the lads was like, can you mute people? There's a dog barking in the background. And I was like, I "I think think that's my dogs. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I said, I think that's actually Murray's dogs. He's like, "They, they text me back about five minutes there. Actually, forget about that. The dogs can bark all you want because of what they've done for you. Like Bailey, obviously, saving your life and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It is fantastic and um. I just had
1: to laugh there the dog's barking in the background <laughs> lads he's barking outside because he's thick because I won't let him in but like <laughs> if, I, if i let him in he's going to see her with his head on my lap looking at me and I'm going to have to pet him and he's, just, he's so needy like it's unreal I have that dog destroyed
0: Jock says,
3: <laughs> <laughs> you want to say, say? Uh, yeah I'll just say a quick word just um, man what an unbelievably powerful story I mean um, I, just on Tuesday night I just spoke about um, it being a a, a tough week for myself um, where my one of my best friends took his own life and um, this Saturday, four years ago, and um, listening to your story, I know Ted, is, uh, as he said, has lived it, and um, I kind of lived it as a, as a as a best friend, trying to help a friend that didn't get through things, and I just, like, your, your story's so powerful, and hearing you speak, I mean, how you're going to relate to teenagers and adults sharing your story, like, you're, you're definitely going to help more than one person. I mean i I'm just so happy that you're 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 still here i mean I couldn't imagine anything worse than your sister claire there or your family or your circle of friends having to prepare for a, a darkness into light story tomorrow to to remember you so like just keep putting yourself first keep doing what you're doing like i just i it's 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 very it's a very emotional week for me but hearing your story just is 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 incredible so well done and keep doing what you're doing and do you know, I, I loved that quote there about your your circle being a triangle and mm-hmm. you know, it's just well done. I just hats you off to you. yeah,
0: no, and just to emphasize what John's saying there, Mary, it's absolutely incredible and fair play to you and fair play to your triangle as well, because I know I know what a triangle is and I think that's what um and some sometimes you have to learn that the hard way, what you have around you like and to get to that stage where it is a triangle. You have to go through the, the hard stages where you have to cut people off. You have to stop chatting to people. like, And you have to take yourself away from situations where it, you're going to fall into old habits, I think. And and sometimes it can be really difficult to find, it, to come out with them habits. But I think when you have the right mindset and again, the right counselor, it's it's fine, that right counselor, that relationship with someone that you've, that you can trust and open up to and, yeah, you'll have a laugh and a joke and they'll, they'll, they'll share the story with you and you can empathise with you, which is really important that when you can actually open up to someone, um, that pushes you to be a better person because you know then that they, you're always going to be listened to and you have someone there that you can trust. And then when, when you have the people in the triangle, then like like when you're saying, like what well, they do, making the phone calls to people during the day, saying, look, I'm struggling here. And it it's, it's, the old saying that that's taken away from with this triangle that you have there, if you ring them and say, oh, I'm, I'm struggling here. They're not going to turn around. Like what, what they used to say is right. Come on, let's go and get a drink or mm. let's go to the pool. But that's gone now. Like it's right. Let's go for a coffee. Let's go for a walk or let's have a chat. And it's it's changing the mindset around it. It's changing your habits. And it, it is, it's you using the positive habits now and using positive mindset and, and positive language when you're speaking and it, which is, it also helps the recovery so um, but no honestly fair play for, for sharing this evening um, I knew it was a good story I'm, I'm delighted that you went into more detail for us mm-hmm. um, so I'm actually delighted for that and, and Claire as well thanks for joining us as well and filling us in with a little bit more information uh, to do but um, See, if I, I could,
2: could I could tell you a lot more stories but I'll, yeah. I'll keep it quiet for now
0: we'll we'll get it get you back on again some night
2: you won't do yeah we'll definitely we'll we'll get on again for sure
0: (laughs) well done Um,
2: very proud
0: of you no honestly fair play to you and i think your story will help a lot of people and as i said i haven't recorded so there will be little snippets thrown out and uh, no doubt it will help a lot of people I know listening to it it resonates a lot with me and I can take a lot of positive aspects of it as well that I can use myself. So um just one last question for you there. So now on a daily basis, what would you do to kind of kind of keep your mind sane and, and motivate yourself, particularly obviously when you're you're obviously so you're obviously really anxious about Monday find out the results. So how are you coping with that now?
1: Uh I, I keep routine. And for me, I know like people say, oh, you have to kind of be a bit spontaneous or do things as they come. But for me, I just need routine. So my routine is the same. I wake up, it's the same routine every morning. And I think if I have a good little morning routine, it sets me up for the day. And then like little things, like I wake up, I have a glass of water on the side of the bed. I drink water first, then I make my bed, then I get showered, then I go up and I walk the dogs down the fields. And then I come in and I make a cup of coffee and then I sit down and do meditation for 10 or 15 minutes and I do that every single morning and it's just something small I do but that that grounds me in the morning because even if I wake up and sometimes my head takes off like when I do that bit of meditation it just makes me realize that jeez everything that's going on in my head is so irrelevant like I just like to be able to find that little that safe space inside myself where I'm just able to be and just listen to some soft music like I know it's like, even for me to say that, like, it's just mental, like, it's just so mad, but
3: like,
1: I just, I, I have to have a bit of routine, and walking the dogs is a little, is a form of that as well, and um, just, I do, t- like, even putting makeup on, like, I wake up in the morning, people say, oh, you don't need to put makeup on, like, well, that makes me feel good about myself, I'm going to put me fucking makeup on, and put my lashes on, and do my nails if I want, like, do you know, if I want to do a few little bits to make myself feel good, um, but little things like that, I, I love her, and then, um, the gym is brilliant now for me I just find being able to go to the gym and do a little bit um that helps as well but um I think being able to realize when I need to just sit back and take a break um you know and just say like to be able to say no and if someone asks you for something just say no I don't need that I need to actually just chill out here for a minute um that's all self-care you know all that kind of stuff
0: yeah and one last thing then before we finish um, I know, obviously, and it's something someone asked there, I know from my own experience, when the people that you would have hung around with before, the people that you would have been out, going out with partying, when you start to try and better yourself, you get the negative comments, right? The negative uh, conversations that they're having or they're talking about you and stuff, because people hate seeing someone do well or that they know themselves need to change. So sorry, people never want to see someone do better when they know they should change themselves yeah and did you find that in your in your recovery any at any stage or even now do you find that the people that you were with before are trying would try and bring you back in or would slag you off because of what you're doing even listening to the soft music and stuff like that like
1: see like any people that I've had that I know probably (laughs) that are saying that kind of stuff or or they're talking about it to me now I just say it's none of my business I don't I don't care about it um the people that I hung around with and said the drugs and with like all I've got from them like people have they've reached actually out to me and said Jesus look I'm actually going to ring and ask for a bit of help or I'm actually in recovery six to eight weeks and I was like oh my god like there has been so many people I have actually used with and they've rang me saying how do I go about getting help um the people that I know that like said I haven't reached out to me and you know they're been negative it's none of my business I take care of my side of the street and that's all that matters
0: Mm. no honestly brilliant and again I, I lo- i'll con- <clears throat> I continue this conversation with you another day when I I'll- and we're going to chat more about it but uh, for tonight i think we'll leave it there um mary thanks very much for joining us honestly i really appreciate it um I'm, i know a lot of people will take a lot from it and i know i'll take something from it as well and the reason i usually take notes um when I when I have a speaker on but I think tonight I'm glad I recorded it because it'd be definitely one that I want to look back over and I will kinda of take a few pointers away from myself and I must find out the soft music and, and the, the mindfulness. I want to send you
1: a meditation now.
0: <laughs> yeah. We we actually we've done it a couple of times now on here um uh, when I had we had Pat Divity on and we had uh Jen Healy on and both of them done the meditation at the end, and it was really enjoyable. I know I enjoyed it. I nearly fell asleep during one of them. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? It is when you when you can just relax and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, send me on the meditation. Absolutely, and I'll give it a go. I'm gonna
1: send um, you on a good
0: guy. Yeah, perfect. And if people want that, I'll send it on to them as well. But Mary, honestly, thanks very much for joining us this evening, and I wish you all the best. And I hope the results go well for you now and next week.
1: Uh thanks, Ted. Thanks for asking me to go on.
0: No worries at all. Honestly, I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, one of the girls texted texting, what a turnaround, incredible story and such a role model for women's sports. So um, you should be very proud.
3: So thank
1: Thanks so much, lads.
3: Now, Thanks Amelia, so- million,
1: Mary.